In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck and Jerry's here, too. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. Although Jerry's not going to be around for long, everybody. So savor her, relish her, (laughs) smell her hair. All the stuff that you like to do to people you like. Uh, awkward start for one on the booch. I should probably, hold on, I should probably explain. Jerry's not going to be here for this recording session. She's always going to be around, around. Oh, sure. Okay. Just wanted to make sure people weren't like, where's Jerry going? What did you guys do to Jerry? Right. I don't need email like that. No, who does? So, Chuck, you already let it slip what our topic is today, which I'm surprised. That's right, the booch, uh, a.k.a. kombucha, mm-hmm. which is, uh, some people call it kombucha tea, but everyone calls it kombucha, really, in practice. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about the the beverage, the um, sort of odd-tasting, fizzy, mm-hmm. uh, sweet teed uh, probiotic drink that is very popular right now that I don't drink. Uh, Emily drinks it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no surprise there, uh, although she's switching brands now. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, can't wait to hear because I drink yeah. it almost every day too. Yeah, I I don't like the flavor, so I just don't drink it. That's it's just a simple one for me. Well, you don't like anything vinegary, so of course you don't like kombucha. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, you don't like mustard. You don't. Yeah. You don't like white vinegar. I don't like pickles. You don't like apple cider vinegar. Mm-mm. You don't like red wine vinegar? Mm, I mean, I'll take a little bit of that or maybe some balsamic vinegar on a salad. Ooh. But other than that, vinegar is a tough sell for me. Okay. But um, or well, the reason we're talking about vinegar is because kombucha has a kind of a vinegary thing going on. It's very tart. It's very acidic. And you said something in there that I don't think I fully realized, although I— Kind of knew it was one of those things where I had all the information. I just never put it together into a cohesive whole. Okay. But kombucha is fermented sweet tea. Yeah. And I mean, of course, there's other stuff in there. But to make kombucha and it just be raw, pure kombucha, all you need is sugar, tea, and then something called a scoby, which we'll talk about soon. And you put those things together. Let them sit in a glass jar with the lid off and a little bit of muslin over the top in a Mm -hmm. dark, warm, dry, very important place for, I don't know, a week, two weeks. You're going to have kombucha. 
Yeah, and it sort of belongs alongside other things like yogurt and sauerkraut, where the uh, the microbes are a big part of the appeal of these things that you can put in your body. Yeah, can we? Um, can I just call out the sentence that Livia wrote because it's hilarious? Sure. She she wrote that kombucha is a food in which microbes are a feature, not a bug. That was definitely yeah. worth the hat tip, at least. <clears throat> Have you ever seen the Volkswagen Beetles with the license plate that says feature? <laughs> no. It's always very cute. I don't get out that much, though. Uh, so you mentioned <laughs> SCOBY. SCOBY stands for, it's an acronym, S-C-O-B-Y, uh, stands for a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. Yep. Because that's exactly what it is. Uh, if you look at a SCOBY, uh, you might heard it uh, called a mother or a mushroom, like the mother, like uh, what's it called, like a sourdough mother. Yeah. But if you look at an, a SCOBY, it looks disgusting. Uh, it looks like something out of a science lab, like out of a Petri dish. It's round and sort of pancakey and gelatinous. Yes. And it, it looks like brain matter or something. It looks d- gross. It looks like the muffin top of a jellyfish, but just <laughs> the muffin top part. <laughs> Sure, that's that's another good way to put it. It's kind of gross too. And that that mother, that mushroom, <laughs> or that scoby is what I saw far and away. At least in America, it's most people who grew, uh, brew kombucha call it a scoby. Yeah. Um, the there's a specific term for it: a solid phase cellulosic pellicle. Yeah. And when you dig into it, microbial, microbially, mm-hmm. it's astounding what it actually is. It's like a a really unique kind of thing that seems to only grow in kombucha from what I could find. Yeah, and it's what it is actually, or what it, how it functions at least in uh, kombucha. It's, it's sort of the fuel that drives that fermentation process that take that sweet tea mm-hmm. from just regular sweet tea to the fermented, bubbly, weird-tasting thing that you enjoy. Yeah, and it's really insolvable. Like... Um, you can drop it in just about anything, and it will hold its shape. It's It has a lot of tensile strength. Apparently, it can hold—so it's cellulose made of little tiny fibrils, and they're, I think, 100 times thinner than the cellulose fibrils you get from a plant. Mm-hmm. Plants are lousy with cellulose. But this cellulose is extruded from um, bacteria, Little tiny, tiny little things of cellulose that ended that end up getting woven together to create this large structure um, that can hold, I think, a hundred times the amount of liquid or water that plant cellulose can, and it's a hundred times thinner than plant cellulose, and it's being extruded, pooped out of these little bacteria that are building this thing over the course of weeks. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, like if you made. One that was the size of a hammock, you could put a house on it. <laughs> yeah, easy. I'm just kidding. I, I haven't done the math on that. No, no. It's in there somewhere, though. So, Chuck, I think we should, we'll hold off on, on how to make a, a batch of kombucha, although it's not that hard. But it turns out that, that that symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, it's a pretty good descriptor because that's what is in that SCOBY. And there have been studies of what's in there. And what they found is that there's a ever-changing cast of characters. Yeah. But that there seem to be a couple that are really responsible for forming the SCOBY and then in turn creating kombucha. One is a bacterium called Chuck. Uh, you want me to do this? <laughs> sure. 
Comaget, uh, Comagati bacteria, Bacter? Yeah, I think that's okay. right. Yep. And then that's the stuff that forms that cellulose that gives the SCOBY its structure. And then inside, there's some yeast, and specifically the yeast from the genus. Uh, Bretonomus, uh, Bretonomasis. Sure. And those are the ones that actually seem to do most of the fermenting. Yeah, and we have, um, uh, well, at least in this case, there were some Oregon State University researchers named Keisha Harrison and Chris Curtin, uh, who a couple of years ago looked at 103 SCOBYs uh, that are used by brewers here in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeast, uh, they call it Brett, uh, and it's sort of an, uh, used to be used a lot for old ales in 19th century England, apparently. Uh-huh. Not used a whole lot for beer anymore because it tastes funny, except for like lambics, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and also used in in barrel aged red wines and uh, I think in wine you just don't want too much of it, and in beer nowadays, like I said, unless it's a lambic, they usually try to get rid of it. Things like a, a contaminant in beer these days, even. So it sounds old timey, I guess. Then the yeah. the Brett. And that actually kind of dovetails with kombucha's image. It has an image of being like an old-timey, super old-timey, ancient, I guess is a better word, um, brew, fermented brew that a lot of people say dates back to all the way back to 221 BCE, um, which is when supposedly uh, the emperor of the Qin dynasty started brewing it himself. Mm-hmm. And that it was considered a, 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 an elixir of life, a, a tonic for immortality. Um, the thing is, is like, if you talk to anybody in the kombucha community, they'll give you that story, but it's just a story. Like there's, it's really hazy when you start to try to trace the lineage of kombucha. Yeah. Boochers. That's right. Uh, yeah, there was, uh, another tale about 600 years after that from the fifth century CE about a Korean doctor. And this is possibly a name origin, Mm -hmm. uh, because this doctor was named Kombu, uh, K-O-M-B-U who brought a medicinal tea to Emperor, uh, would that be Enkyo? I think so, yeah. All right, of Japan, and said, and some people say, well, that's clearly where the name came from. Other people say, well, I don't know about that, because there's also this Japanese fermented tea uh, from back in the day that was derived from kelp that was called kombu, Mm -hmm. and then cha is tea, so kombucha, uh, but there is no seaweed in, in kombucha as we know it now, so... I don't think anyone really knows the exact origin of the word. No, but it is possible that that kombucha, that seaweed, fermented seaweed tea, just got used for the wrong thing, and it's kind of right. went off on that lineage of history, and that, that that's where it came from. Again, what we're talking about are stories. There are some ancient documents that I think mention that Korean doctor kombu. Yeah. But um, it's still, it's just not definitive. To get definitive— you actually have to go to Russia and Ukraine in the late 19th century. Yeah, that's, surprising. That's finally where you can definitively start to trace the history of what we call kombucha. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see it there too. But apparently after World War I, uh, they were lousy with the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started to spread around Europe. Uh, apparently in the Westphalia region of Germany, became very popular for a little while. Um, in Italy, in the middle of the 20th century, it became so popular that a couple of things happened. There was, uh, there were people mixing it with holy water to use as sort of like a tonic and a folk remedy, Mm -hmm. which priests there did not love. And there was a song that you can go listen to, uh, you know, you can go to YouTube and listen to it from Mm -hmm. 1955 
by a guy named uh, Renato Carazone. Uh, and the song was called Stufungo uh, Chinesa, or uh, The Chinese Fungus. And it was a popular song that's, uh, I listened to it and it's not very good. No, it's got a lot of dee 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 like mixed in with it, but it's also kind of like a mambo-y thing. It's a, it's a mess. So strangely enough, Stufungo Chinese Mm-hmm. did not kick off the kombucha craze in the United States or in the West. Um, it really was kicked off by a Swiss study from the 60s. And um, I do mean Switzerland, not Sweden. I apparently swapped the two when right. I was talking about the <laughs> oldest periodical in, in existence in the Farmer's Almanac episodes. So sorry to everybody who wrote in. Yeah, we, we know that those are two different places, and they're not even close together. No. Uh, so it was inadvertent. No, exactly. Like, I, I mixed up the names. I'm not actually confusing Switzerland with Sweden. Right. Like, I, can, <laughs> I, I know that much. So this was a Swiss, Switzerland-Swiss um, uh, study from the 60s that said, hey, this kombucha stuff that they're making over in Russia that's associated with Russian grandmothers, mm-hmm. this stuff is, is it's like yogurt, man, but it, it, you can drink it. It's like drinkable yogurt. And we don't mean kefir. No, we don't. Uh, it did. It's still popular, actually, in some parts of Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it remained popular throughout Soviet Russia. They were, uh, you know, they didn't have, like, you know, American soda and stuff like that. So this was a fizzy drink they could make, which sort of sub for that, it seems like. Uh, prisoners would brew it there. There was even a case here in the United States in 2015 where uh, arms dealer Vic, uh, Victor Bout uh, was brewing it in a prison in Illinois, and uh, and we'll get to the alcoholic content later, but the prison officials basically said, like, you're making booze, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So they added some time. Uh, and apparently, like, kids in Russia these days, or not kids, but younger people, are kind of on kombucha that they rejected when they were younger because they were like, we want American-tasting sodas, and now there's a newer trend where they're like, oh, no, this is sort of like, cool, this is the old Russian uh, version, and they're back into brewing it again. Yeah, it's, it's so it got exported somehow to the U.S. It blew up in the U.S., and we exported it back to Russia, and now Russian hipsters are into kombucha, even though <laughs> it was their grandparents' like homebrew. And I think it was also not just they wanted Coke and Pepsi, and probably mostly Coke. Um, they, they associated it with their grandmother giving it to them as if it were almost like medicine or a health tonic. And nobody sits around and drinks a health tonic. No. You rarely do. And this kind of had that association with it, too. That got stripped of it. Even though it's considered a healthy drink, health tonic is really stretching how it's considered in the United States. So it got kind of repackaged and gussied up and turned into a really fun beverage that's that kids are really into and that will just make you immediately cooler if you're seen out in public drinking it. <laughs> yeah, as far as the Chinese connection, it sort of depends on who you're asking. Uh, it sounds like it may have been regional because there was this uh, writer, what was her first name? Uh, Zong is her last name for Folklife magazine. Her first name, Chuck, is precisely Laura. Laura. Okay. Well, she uh, wrote about this in Folklife magazine and asked her immigrant Chinese parents, and they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, let me ask my friend who still has, you know, a bunch of contacts in China. And uh, her friend got in touch with her people in China, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then there was another Chinese-American writer uh, named Betty Liu, 
And her father, like, recalled, you know, fond things about kombucha from Shanghai mm-hmm. and these big neighborhood batches. So uh, I think theirs was green tea and honey, though, instead of black tea and sugar. So uh, maybe it was a variation, a regional variation. Yeah, they called it Hong Cha Jun. Yeah. Not kombucha, but it does sound similar. And if mm-hmm. you stop and think about it, just how it's the simplicity of what kombucha actually is, fermented sweet tea, it's entirely possible that cultures that have tea and have had tea for hundreds and thousands of years mm-hmm. stumbled onto this, you know, independently and just called it different things, made it with slightly different ingredients. But it seems very clear that the kombucha we drink today was exported from Russia and Ukraine in the 19th century. Yeah, and before we break, I think we should cover this last little bit that's super interesting about how it uh, regained popularity in the 80s here in the U.S. There was, uh, it was for AIDS patients. There was uh, specifically one AIDS patient. Uh, he was a uh, Act Up New York member mm-hmm. and activist named Sander Katz who had this kombucha, and, it, and you know, the, those uh, AIDS drugs early on, at least, were really rough on the stomach. And it helped him, and it helped him keep his food down, and it kind of settled his stomach, and then it got passed around the gay community. And uh, I think he found out about it from uh, a friend in, like, 1994 who was, you know, a home brewer mm-hmm. and went on to write a book called Wild Fermentation in 2003, and so it was the AIDS community of the of the Northeast United States that really kind of got it going again here. Pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, you want to take a break then? Let's do it. Okay. We're taking a break, everybody, starting now. Right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. 
Hey everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. All right, so now we are back in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, kombucha these days, um, well, for a while before sort of this this modern time that we find ourselves in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a spaceship just flew by. Uh, someone should ask Chris Christie about that. <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy. <laughs> Did you see that? What That's a funny. terrible question. Yeah, he, he was pretty funny about it, though. Yeah, he's just uh, so lovable. He is a likable guy. Uh, so kombucha uh, for a while was, and it and it's still sort of popular with hobbyists because brewing in general and home brewing is uh, really regained in popularity with beer and meat and all kinds of crazy things. And I also I think there's a suspicion too among people who make kombucha that the stuff that's mass produced just can't hold a candle to the stuff you would make on your own. Probably, uh, but that's how it was for for many many years, starting in the '80s until about. Uh, the mid-ish 1990s when a guy who we're going to talk about a little bit now uh, that you may have heard of named uh, George Thomas Dave or GT Dave started brewing kombucha at home in his Bel Air house as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Uh, As legend has it, he got his scoby from a friend who got it from a trip to the Himalayas and his mom was drinking this stuff Dave was making going through cancer and claimed that it helped her beat cancer uh, which was officially part of the company's lore until they were forced to remove it after a lawsuit in 2010 mm-hmm. uh, about deceptive health claims. Yeah. But uh, he is the maker. If, you, if you've seen Synergy Kombucha in the store, it's the biggest player out there, and that's the one Emily drank until today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's GT Dave. Yeah, if you've ever seen Kombucha in the store, you've seen GT Synergy. I mean, it's yeah. just, there's such, so many different flavors of it. And like the, it's just, it's clearly been around longer. It's got its, its thing down pat. Um, and like you said, this guy was brewing this when he was in high school and he started in 95. In 2005, he took it national. And you can say that pretty much is when kombucha really started to, to, make headway. It didn't take off like a rocket quite yet. If you go back and look at the dates on a lot of the research articles that you'll find in Kombucha, um, on like CNBC or Forbes or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. they're like 2017, 18, and they're all like, what is this stuff? So it took a while to, to gain some traction, but he took it out of 
the health food store and started to get it into grocery stores. And that was what really kind of laid the foundation for kombucha to be introduced to America as a whole. That's right. Uh, and the sort of unfortunate part that has come out more recently uh, <laughs> is that Synergy is going through a few different lawsuits right now uh, because allegedly it is, um, even though this is a drink that is touted as uh, being made with love and good vibrations, mm-hmm. uh, there are some lawsuits going on now because allegedly it is a terrible place to work. Uh, and GT Dave allegedly uh, would purposefully hire undocumented workers so uh, they could be taken advantage of with brutal work hours, uh, no breaks to eat, no breaks for breaks, uh, go to the bathroom super fast and go- get back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so hot in there that you're uh, sweating into the beverage, and then you have to go to a freezing place and your clothes freeze up. Uh, and just some sounds like some pretty bad stuff happening there, allegedly. Well, you say allegedly, but you don't have to say that anymore because as of, I think, this month, a uh, California judge said, nope, this is all true. I'm ruling against GT Dave. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a lawsuit from a that's longstanding, mm-hmm. but there are, I think, some new ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been denying this the whole time. Basically, I think his quote was something like, uh, I don't want to paraphrase it. Well, I guess I have to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me. Sure. But, but, but basically, like, yeah, you know, lawsuits are just the cross I bear. You know, when you get popular like this, that's just how things go. Right. That, that, there, this is, he just dismissed them all as frivolous in that quote, like indirectly, basically. Although these are, have been brought by multiple people in multiple lawsuits over multiple years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this judge apparently does not like him, and the judge is in charge of um, all the cases and apparently uh-huh. has said before that Dave lies through his teeth and is totally not credible, and if you yeah. put him on the stand, I'm going to tell the jury to not to believe him. Like, this, right. this judge has said this, like, in court, so he's having a rough time of it for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, of course, I told Emily this. She was like, oh, well, I guess I'll find a new brand. Well, there's so many great brands out there, too. Like, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of, like, if you are into kombucha or you're about to be into kombucha after listening to this, you are in a beautiful time to be into kombucha because there's it's a, a lot of age, really right? good brands that you could find in just about any grocery store. And, yes, indeed, it is the golden age for kombucha <laughs> right now. We love our golden ages. Sure. Uh, there's another big player uh, in Kevita, K-E-V-I-T-A, because Pepsi bought that one in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, anytime in the beverage industry, it's a tough racket anyway. So you're you're probably looking to cash out to a larger company is, is the exit strategy generally for beverages. Sure. I watch a lot of Shark Tank. That's what they say. Okay. Uh, Coca-Cola got into it a little bit because they own Honest Tea. Uh, oh, but I just I, got that name. Oh, Honest Tea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think they make that anymore, but they do have some sort of Australian kombucha uh, Coca-Cola does called Organic and Raw Trading Company. They don't like to talk about it, though. Right. (laughs) I don't think they do. So it is a golden age, and that's kind of reflected in the market. It's like a $2.5 billion industry, which is— Not bad. uh, No, it's not bad. Um, It's expected to grow to $11.5 billion within the next seven years. Um, because kombucha is so good and because we're living in that golden age, um, apparently you consider it a functional beverage with mm-hmm. energy drinks and vitamin fortified waters. And yoo Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it gives you great strength. Uh, yeah, exactly. But one 
It's considered a non-alcoholic drink, but that was up in the air until fairly recently because there's a um, a well-known story, at least in the kombucha um, community, mm-hmm. about a, um, a, I think, an inspector for the main department of agriculture who was going through a Whole Foods and noticed that these bottles of kombucha, this was 2010, so he's still like, what is this stuff? That they were bubbling out from under their caps. And he's like... Yeah, not a good sign. No, he's like, this is, that's fermentation. These things are fermenting before my eyes. That means that it's producing alcohol by definition. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test some of these. And what he found... Goop, 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 yeah, Exactly. <laughs> he went on a seven-day bender. Right. And when he came to, he said, these things should not be sold as non-alcoholic. Believe yeah, me. Said, I went on a booch bender. Not good. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think uh, if you're home brewing it, and this is, you know, it's a variable product. Anytime you're making something where there it's like alive for a little while, it's it's going to be different depending on the batch and the maker and all that stuff. Right. Uh, if you're home brewing it, you may get up to 3% ABV. Um, there have been cases where uh, I think the, the guy in, uh, in Maine, some of those went up to 2.5, and that's when... Whole Foods was like, we, we can't sell it. Like, it's over the 0.5% threshold. So Whole Foods had to pull it there. And this was like, this this industry was still in its cradle. Like, this is a really dangerous thing to have happen all of a sudden. Yeah, totally. But that's why, kind of around that same time, uh, the Kombucha's, uh, Kombucha Brewers International mm-hmm. was formed, uh, which is a trade organization that basically is like, hey, listen, we need to sort of standardize this. Uh, here's an alcohol test that everyone should be using, and we should all be on the same page about the, the ABV. Right. Um, so they, they really kind of swooped in to standardize things and save the day. And there is, com- there is hard kombucha, apparently. Yeah. They're crazy for it in California. Um, it goes up to 11%, which, Woo. man, that'll knock you on your duff. Yeah, but for the most part, the, um, the, the people who make kombucha have figured out how to keep it from Going beyond the 0.5%, alcohol? Point, I think 0.5. I don't know if I've ever told this story before. Have I? About mm. how when I was a youngster, I really loved <laughs> Nick at Night. And um, uh, sometimes so. on Fridays and Saturdays, I would go to the Open Pantry, which was a convenience store across the railroad uh-huh. tracks from my house. Yeah. And um, I would buy some Slim Jims, get some Twix, maybe some Starburst, really load up. And then yeah. one of the things I would get every every time was a six-pack of Kingsbury non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> and every time, I'm like 10, 11, 12 maybe. Oh, dude. Every time I had to argue with the, the person checking me out at the, at the register, uh-huh. I'm like, this is non-alcoholic. It has nothing to do with any age limit. I'm allowed to buy this. And every time I was successful, I think no. most of them were just like, okay, if this kid's going to say that to me, then fine. You you can have yeah. this non-alcoholic beer. And I would go home and crack some Kingsbury and eat some Slim Jims oh and watch God. F Troop and stuff. It was, it was amazing. Good, good Friday you nights. You know, I, I do have a new answer now. And when they say, if you could go back in time, uh, because it used to obviously be go back and kill Hitler and do some good for mankind. Obviously, uh, But now it's go back and live next door to young Josh. <laughs> so we could have been kid buddies. Yeah, that would have been fun. I would have been older. You would have been the one corrupting me, though, somehow. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. That would have been pretty funny. You would have been, I would have been like, what are you, six years younger, seven? Uh, no, I'm like five. 
five, you would have been the 10 year old corrupting like the 15 or 16 year old. <laughs> That's right. But I would have my license first. You'd be like, yeah, now you can drive us to all the bad places. Yeah, let's go get some Kingsbury. <laughs> Chuck, should we take a break and come back and tell everybody how to make kombucha? Because I'm ready to do that. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Hey, everybody. If you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. All right, everybody, as promised, we said that we are going to teach you how to make kombucha, and it is super duper easy. Sort of. It's really easy. Yeah, but you should also, you know, really look if you're going to. Oh, yeah. There's a, that's a a really good point. The kombucha brewing community uh, is Mm -hmm. really supportive and helpful and nice and not snipey or catty. Um, They're just very, like, whatever information you need to brew your own kombucha, they'll give it to you. And, you could probably uh, also make friends with somebody who will send you your first SCOBY. Yeah. Because here's the thing. 
you can't make kombucha without kombucha. You have yeah. to have kombucha, which I think, Chuck, and I couldn't find this, that would mean that all kombucha is related in some way, shape, or form. Because if you just took tea and sugar and water mm -hmm. and left yeah. it out to be yeah. uh, inoculated with whatever yeast and, and bacteria in the air, you're not necessarily going to attract the same yeast and bacteria, those Bretts and the other one, um, that are in kombucha. So you'll yeah. make something that isn't actually kombucha. So to make kombucha, you need kombucha, which means all kombucha is related. They, they have some sort of shared lineage over time. Okay. That's kind of cool. I like cool. that setup. Yeah, it is. And that kind of lends itself to the, the hippy-dippy community aspect. For sure. Uh, so you, like you said, you need a SCOBY. Uh, and like you also said, you can probably find some hippie online that'll send you some. You can buy it too. There's uh, everythingkombucha.com recommends fermentaholics. They'll send you a SCOBY for $13.49 on Amazon. All right. And you get that that gross little membrane looking thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you maybe look up a recipe that you might want to use. There are lots of recipes online, of course. Uh, but like you said, you got to have that unpasteurized, unflavored kombucha at the root of it. Uh, and... Like you know, you kind of teased it earlier. You put that kombucha in a in a glass jar. Mm -hmm. uh, everything's got to be super super clean, of course. Uh, you're gonna want for your tea a few specific things. Uh, you want organic tea because uh, if it's not organic, then that tea you get hasn't been washed yet, and it's got pesticides and stuff on it. No good. Not not no just good. for you, but also for the scoby because it's a living thing. Yeah, scoby's gonna eat that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, you want to use pure tea um, because, it, you know, it tastes better. It's the cleanest flavor. It's got the most nutrients. And you're also going to – it's going to be caffeinated. You can't make decaf kombucha as far as I know, right? You literally cannot because the okay. caffeine is one of the most essential nutrients for the bacteria and or the yeast. They use it to – they convert it into nitrogen, which they use for all sorts of stuff during the fermentation project process. So you cannot make kombucha without caffeine. All right. The thing so you is – you got your tea, you got your caffeine, and what else? You need sugar? Yep. You want to use cane sugar I've seen. And all of this, like, you can get organic cane sugar for very little money, um, even compared to, like, just cheap white granulated sugar. Sp mm -hmm. Splurge for that. Splurge for good, loose, organic tea. Use – um, filtered water, or you can just get like a gallon of distilled water while you're at the grocery store buying cane sugar. Yeah. Um, just the it's it's that whole um, garbage in, garbage out kind of uh, yeah. mentality. It also applies to kombucha too. All right, so you've got your ingredients. Uh, you've got your scoby from a guy named you know Scooby 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 Bro <laughs> Scooby Bro One Two Three, <laughs> uh, and you. Get your sweet tea made. You add your starter, kombucha. Mm -hmm. uh, you put in your scoby, and then you put it in that jar, like you said, with the, what's it call it? The muslin? Over the top. Yeah, the muslin over the top. Mm -hmm. And then you put it in that dark, dry place, like a cabinet or something, and let it do its thing for how long? Like a week or so? Uh, yes. If you're fermenting kombucha, it takes 7 to 14 days for the first ferment to, to finish. All right. Then after that, you bottle it. And that uh, you leave it again for another usually a few days, maybe seven days, and it does its second ferment in the bottle. And that's where the alcohol and the bubbles really start to to come about mm -hmm. because those are both byproducts of um, fermentation, CO2 
and alcohol. Um, again, though, depending on, I'm not actually quite sure how you control the amount of alcohol that gets developed. I think it's maybe the amount of sugar you add initially, and then also how long you let it ferment to in that second mm -hmm. fermentation. And then to stop it from the second fermentation, you start refrigerating it, and that makes everything go dormant. Yeah, and when you bottle it, that's when you're also going to, um, you know, juice it up a little bit. If you want to put some ginger, mm -hmm. some herbs, uh, some other kind of, like, fruity juices or something, that's where you can, you know, experiment with your own taste and flavor profiles that you like. Yeah, and you want to use glass for everything. Uh, the reason why is because it's so acidic, as we'll see, that it can leach metals right out of a metal container. Yeah. So, and you can also leach lead out of a, the glaze of a ceramic container. So, you basically wow. just want to use sterilized glass, like really well-washed glass. And you also okay. want to keep yourself um, clean. And well, this, I'm yeah. sure, is very hard for a lot of the kombucha <laughs> brewer community. Sure. But you definitely want to wash your hands thoroughly before you ever touch your SCOBY because, again, it's a living thing. And if you accidentally get some bad bugs on it, it can grow mold. It can um, get weak. It can die. All sorts of stuff can happen. So you want to be very gentle and kind with your SCOBY and very clean, too. Um, so you want to make sure you and your glass bottles are all super clean before you make kombucha. Yeah, SCOBY uh, bro123 in his video, it's like, all right. This next part, man, is a real bummer, but you're going to have to take a shower. <laughs> man, the hippies are not going to like this. Oh, that's okay. They're surfing right now. There's one other thing you can do, too, or one other thing you're going to have to do. You remove your SCOBY from the the um, bottle or from the, gl mm -hmm. the glass that you fermented in after the first ferment. It doesn't go into the bottles. But it's reusable. It actually will grow. I wondered about that. Yes. So it actually will grow as as you're fermenting new kombucha each time because it's sitting there eating love and life. Um, and after a while, it'll grow thick enough that you can just basically peel off, from what I understand, the bottom layer is the youngest layer. Ah, okay. And uh, there's stuff you can do with the old SCOBY. It's cellulose. Some people cut it up and dry it out and give it to their dogs. <laughs> Some people eat it directly because it's full of probiotics, as we'll see. But you can also just toss it out or compost it, I think, is another thing people do. And you take that younger part and just start over. It's the healthiest. It's the most vibrant. It's the youngest part of the SCOBY. Or you can also take that part and give it to a newbie as their first SCOBY, too, if you want to be super kind, as the hippies call it. Yeah. Or you can rub it under your arms to prevent yeast growth there. <laughs> Gross. In your armpit. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about health benefits. Um, they have done uh, not a lot of, like, uh, controlled human trials mm -hmm. in these published papers. There was a 2019 review at 253 papers uh, kombu uh, boot, they call them the booch papers. And there were, there were, <laughs> my drink. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's fine. But there were no controlled human trials. So it's like you can't really point to hard science. Uh, but it is, you know, it is something that, that contains good stuff. Like there are probiotics. Right. And we do know that probiotics are good for your gut. Uh, we've talked about them before. I, I take a probiotic every day now and it's really helped my system out. Like in a hugely noticeable way, yeah. Uh, but you know, if you read the the bottle of a of a Synergy or uh, another brand, if you you're, if you're making that switch, you're going to see stuff like you find on a on a pill bottle of 
other probiotics like uh, bacillus coagulans or uh, lactobacillus, like these really common bacterium, probiotic bacteriums. It's what's going on, basically. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we know probiotics are good for you, and kombucha is lousy with probiotics. That's the upshot of that. And there actually was one human trial very recently. It came out in the last week um, from Georgetown University that oh, found that uh-huh. it actually lowers um, fasting blood glucose levels. So it could be useful for people with type 2 diabetes to drink kombucha while they're eating a meal because it will keep your glucose from spiking, according to hmm. this newest trial. And it's one of the first human clinical trials ever done on kombucha. I got two words for that. Go Hoyas. <laughs> there you go. It's been a while. Have you ever understood what the difference between a Hoya and a Bulldog is? Because I've never heard no. anything called a Hoya except in the context of Georgetown. I've never even thought about it now that I think but about it. But that's their mascot. It's a Bulldog, but they call it a Hoya like they're out of their minds. Is it? Is it the same? Like, is it supposed to be the name of the Bulldog? I don't. Or not the name of, but like, does it mean Bulldog? I don't know. In Georgetown, it does. Because I'm seeing that the Hoya is a plant. Yeah, it is. It's called the Indian road plant now that you mention it, or one of the Hoyas. I think it's a family of plants. Well, somebody, because we're not going to stop to look this up, because I'm sure the answer is out there. I would love a, a Georgetown Hoya to write in and let us know. Okay, fair enough. Moving on then, right? Yeah. What, what about antioxidants? Well, um, that tea that you make this out of is lousy with polyphenols, depending on which kind of tea you use. Apparently, green and red have the highest amounts of polyphenols in the end result kombucha. But you can't really sneeze at the polyphenols in black tea, too, which is traditionally the type of tea that's been used to brew kombucha. Um, Those polyphenols do all sorts of things, like they neutralize free radicals in the body. And we did our episode on whether or not free radical um, health theory is is legitimate or not. But considering Uh that the jury's still out— if it is legit, then the antioxidants in kombucha are really super helpful. I wonder if you could make a matcha kombucha. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wondered that myself. Uh, from what I saw, you want loose leaf tea. But I, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to use matcha. Hmm. That might be interesting. Sure. Uh, uh, also vitamins. There's lots of B vitamins in kombucha. B vitamins are great for you. Uh, but again, because it's a variable product, it's not like you can say all kombuchas have this amount of this vitamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe some of the leading brands tout as being like, you know, it's a great source of B12 or whatever, but it's not like listed out on the ingredients, um, like exactly how much. No, and the reason why, it's like you said, it's variable because this this stuff is grown. It's not manufactured. Um, and B vitamins are a byproduct of fermentation. So unless, I guess, they test every single batch and create a new label every single time, right. they can't say accurately how much B vitamins is in there. But usually it's enough to knock your socks right off. <laughs> uh, as will the acid, right? Yes. So acids are antimicrobials. And they've been found to fight off stuff like E. coli, Shigella, mm-hmm. Salmonella, Cholera. Again, this is in vitro. This is like putting some of the acids from kombucha in a Petri dish with shigella and seeing what happens. And those mm-hmm. acids kill the shigella. So this is all just like assuming that the same stuff is going to happen in the human body. Um, because, again, there hasn't been a lot of human trials. 
But we know that the acids that are produced in kombucha as it ferments do have antimicrobial properties in a Petri dish, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as if it could be bad for you, um, probably not. I mean, it might upset your tummy a little bit, uh, as any probiotic could, uh, initially at least, until your tums gets used to it. Um, anything unpasteurized, like if you're having, if you're trading like homemade kombuchas with friends and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, there could always be a chance that there are some bacteria in there that aren't great for you. Um, I think you can get a pasteurized, like professionally pasteurized kombucha, but that would kill off the live culture. So it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, it still has the acids in it, so it's going to have some benefits. But yeah, the kombucha brewing community is like, what? You don't want to kill off all of this beneficial bacteria, you know? It's very anti-booch. It is super anti-booch. Um, I say before we wrap, Chuck, we, we name check a few other brands because I love a, a yeah, few other ones. So HealthAid is really, really great. They're P okay. Pink Lady Apple I would point people to. All right. 221 BC, I think is made in Florida. They make a lavender one that's just mm. amazing. And their kombucha is real mild. It's not nearly as tart and it's not nearly as fizzy as most other kombuchas. It's not quite as dense. So it'd be a good introduction to kombucha. Hum is another great one. And then Big Easy Bucha. All of those make really good kombucha. And you can usually find all of those brands in just about any grocery store. That's great. I'm going to pass those along to uh, Emily. Do you take a probiotic in a dish or are you, is this sort of covering your bases there? I take mine intravenously. Okay. <laughs> just a slow drip. Yeah. Uh, I, right. I don't actually take a probiotic. I'm, I'm really terrible at keeping up with supplements on a daily basis. I kind of take them when I think of it. I and probiotics definitely fall into that category for me. Yeah, I've gotten good at it uh, with my my diverticulae problems. Mm -hmm. So I've uh, a friend of mine's sister said you should take this probiotic every day, and it really has changed my uh, toilet routine. What's the? <laughs> do you know the brand and or the what's in it? Oh, I can picture it in my head. Uh, no, but I could always follow up if people are interested. It, it's sort of just a good all around probiotic, and it. It is right at my tummy. Nice. That's awesome. In a good man. way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't take probiotics, but I eat so much fermented stuff every day that it's kind yeah. of tantamount to it. Yeah, we should do one eventually on the other thing that I don't enjoy, which is kimchi. Oh, man. I eat that almost every day, too. There's. I know. You love all that stuff. I do love it. And if you're nowhere near an Asian market, um, there's something called Cleveland kimchi. Um, mm -hmm. And you can find that in, like, your – I think your um, – produce section along oh, okay. with like tofu and stuff like that and it's it's really good for packaged kimchi you could make that too at home don't you berry kimchi i think so that sounds very familiar all right we'll have to look into that that'd be a good topic okay so while we go off and think about kimchi let's all just wait a second and pause for listener mail should i read one or are we really pausing <laughs> go ahead and read one Okay. Hey, guys. Recentish listener. Uh, discovered you during second year of uh, the pandemic. You've gotten me through a lot, uh, including graduate school and the beginning of my most recent career transition, yes. which brings me to the point of this email. Uh, at a really difficult time shifting my career trajectory from engineering to veterinary medicine in the sense of making such a major time commitment to pursue more schooling after completing a master's degree. 
Uh, my desire to learn far outweighed my concerns, though, so I applied. Uh, needless to say, I was extremely nervous going to vet school. Uh, it, through the interview process, it was an absolutely wild coincidence that you released your podcast, The Large Equine History of Veterinary Medicine, the day before I had my two interviews. Awesome. Uh, that episode reminded me of how much I love this field and how fascinating it is, and I accepted this as a happy coincidence that calmed my nerves a bit, allowed me to go into my interviews the next day with a high, I'm um, sorry, with a level head and renewed faith in my decision. Uh, I was accepted to both programs I interviewed for that day, as well as a few others. Awesome. Uh, fast forward to today, my second day of veterinary school, and you released How We're Learning to Talk to Animals. I have now accepted that you're somewhat my guardian angels as you're shepherding me through this very exciting and very scary transition. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from those specific times, the podcast has given me so many laughs, um, fun facts, and overall sense of calm in what can be an overwhelming world. And I know you hear it a lot, but I'm officially joining the ranks. You have made such a positive impact on my life. Uh, please keep doing it. Can't wait to see what the future scenarios uh, that you hold my hand through. Sending love. These sign-offs are getting so good. Mm -hmm. uh, that is from Gabby. Thanks, Gabby. I, I remember that email. I responded to her to say congrats. It was great. Was gr love, love it. Great email, Gabby. Thanks. If you want us to sing your praises about what a great email you wrote, take your shot. You only miss the shots you don't take. <laughs> <laughs> you can send that shot off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater.